as we go on from day to day, I really hope, thank you, praise team, for that, that we remember those words born out of Scripture, that faithfulness, that goodness. Once again, when focusing on the character of God, I was looking and going through what we were going to talk about and reveal. And during my study this week, I actually changed it <clears throat> and started seeing, of course, and looking at the goodness of God, but there is an aspect <laughs> Uh, or, or that which comes out of God's goodness that we don't associate with and how they go together and we don't believe they do. And that is both God's goodness and his wrath. Because his wrath is born out of his goodness. And we don't ever see that. And so today I really want to out of a scripture in Exodus. Focus on God being awesome. They have it up here. The goodness, the, he's a God of goodness, but he's a God of, and, and he's a God of grace, and he's a God of wrath. See, many times, even in our songs, and rightfully so, we sing of the goodness of the Lord. We don't sing of the wrath of God, which I, that would be kind of awkward. But we sing of his goodness and we sing of his grace, which we should. But embedded in that issue of his wrath is his justice. And we are all people that want justice. We see acts of injustice and it stirs up anger in us. We experience injustice and we want things made right. We experience people being biased or bullies. And we want someone to do something about it. I read a question this week. What if you are the one that brings about the injustice? You want God to do something about it then when you are the one in whom he needs to, 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 to correct? See, God in his goodness and his grace, what we'll look at today, is a God also of wrath, and yet we know that he chose for his love to overwhelm his wrath in Christ. He didn't get rid of it. And many of us today, boy, we love those first two. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on the goodness and the grace. But can I add with that this morning that we be warned from a loving God that that wrath is there as well. Turn with me to Exodus, please. We've prayed during our prayer time for our hearts in the word. Turn with me to Exodus. We know this particular one now. God is bringing them now. You and I know there are lots of scriptures in which we can use for this. 
But God is now, I mean, bringing them out. They have rebelled against God. Moses does not have the first set of tablets because of the sin of the people. And Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. And we're going to be looking in 33 during our time, but in 34, after Moses asks a question of the Lord, we get in, there's, uh, we get in verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 5. If you could stand with me, I'd like us to read together. I remember last week we read and we saw that God is. He exists. He is uncategorically unlike us. He is awesome. He is uh, I, I, big, doesn't even doesn't even begin to summarize who he is. And we see it played out here. Verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this goodness of the Lord, back in chapter 33, Moses, uh, after the incident with the rebellious uh, with the repeated rebellious children of Israel, and before we throw them under the bus, boy, we as people that have the Spirit of God residing in us, those of you who have trusted Christ and are walking in him, you are saved and your sins have been forgiven, how many repeated times have you rebelled against the Lord? How many times, knowing what was right, you chose wrong? How many times of hearing the word and hearing it even taught and explained, you chose opposite? So before we kind of give this smirk and this kind of remark to the nation of Israel, about not being able to get it together, remember who you've been. And so Moses here in chapter 33 was asking God that he could see him. 
Show him your ways. Moses, if you go to verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. And you have also found, I mean, and I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. That's what he says that God has said to him. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He's interceding. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then we go down to verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. Can I just stop there for a second? Have you ever stopped to realize that as you are in Christ, that you have actually found, God has chosen to favor you have found favor in his sight does that move you at all so the god that we spoke about last week greatness pure holy separate unlike us that somehow we in our sin when he called out to us and we've turned have now found favor in his sight. That didn't change. God hasn't changed. God continues and says, and I know you by name, meaning I know you personally. Moses said, please show me your glory. Wow. And he said, I will make all my goodness Pass before you, and you will proclaim before. I mean, and, I mean, uh, sorry. And you will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said. That word is an extreme contrast. Let's stop there just for a second. God now explains, and we see this whole thing of his goodness, him working on our behalf and our benefit because he has chosen for us to find favor in his sight, meaning he looks favorably on us. And there isn't, and I've said before, there isn't anything about us that would cause him to turn other than his desire for us. So there isn't anything that you can do to make God turn, but once he has turned and has granted you favor, you live out of that favor. I know today we have a lot of people talking about the favor of God on me, and what they really just mean is God giving me the stuff I want. That's not favor. Oh, it may be a part of it. But that favor is God actually turning and allowing you to be in relationship with him so that you may know him more and more. 
Moses asked that. Reveal yourself to me. See, if it were today, some people would say, reveal yourself to me so I can get the things that I desire. Reveal yourself to me so I can make sure I secure for myself a good future. It is always wrapped around what we can grab from God. Moses here is asking that I can know, that I can, that I can get to know you so that I can get to know you and find more favor. I want to be in relationship with you. Can I ask you, why is it that you lean into the Lord? What do you want from him? Is it him or is it what he has? How many of you love it when you know people are only chasing you because of what you have? We've all been around people like that. You only want me for either where I can get you into, what I can get you out of, um, what I can do for you, someone else who's next to me, you want to be next to. None of us like that. And yet when it comes to God, we want to get close for reasons other than getting to know him. And so we see in Moses, he says, I want to get to know you. I want to have favor in your sight so we can have fellowship. And then he says, show me your glory. And God answers back. <laughs> See, Moses didn't say, show me your goodness and your grace. Do you notice that? He says, show me your glory. Show me the weightiness of who you are. Show me your character. How does God respond? You will see my goodness. And my grace, and my and 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 I will choose who gets grace and who gets mercy. I will choose that, but 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 I will come before you, and 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 you will see it. You will experience it. Do you realize the goodness of God comes when God is present? understand that. See, if you want the good things of God and you don't want God through his word, you really don't want the goodness of God. You don't. You just want his stuff. God, show me your goodness. What do you really want? People start buttering you up. You know, you turn to them and go, what do y'all want? But in that goodness and in that graciousness or that favor bestowed that is not earned, you have no right of claim. You have no claim on that of God for him to turn. He turns because he desires. In that, he says this. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. 
That's not saying that God has a face like you and I, does he? No, he's not saying that. But he's saying that, that, that you cannot get the full view of who I am as a man. As a human, you can't. I need to protect you from that. I need to protect you from my fullness. You can't handle it because along with that goodness and grace that is couched and surrounded by holiness comes along with it. There is a wrath that comes with it that, that has to deal with the sin that is us. So I love what he says. Yes, I know John says that we beheld his glory when he was talking about Christ, filled with grace, filled with truth. We, we know that, and they were able to look at God in flesh, God enabling us to be able to draw near to him through Christ Jesus. And we know that he came to be that intercessor, that in-between, so that we can approach God. But somehow, I believe we think that because of Christ, we can walk up now to God and, what's up, man? How you doing? And be anyhow with the Lord. Yes, we are his children. Yes, we can come up and cry, Daddy. Yes, we can get close. But we also need to realize since God has not changed, since he is immutable, since we are going to get into that, since he is holy, since he is filled with purity, since he is a, a God that, that, that demands righteousness, it's still there that didn't change. So how do I approach God? Well, first, let me just show him what he showed Moses. Man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. You get that picture of glory? God says, I know you can't handle Anywhere near the fullest, the, the, the fullest of who I am, my goodness and my grace, and I am awesome. And so I am going to protect you from me. Not because God is fickle, not because God can't, can't I mean, um, um, he can't be trusted, but he realizes he knows who he, he is and who we are. And I love this that he says, in the demonstration of my glory, I am protecting you so that you can handle what I reveal of me. Saints, when we read God's word and we see him revealed and we get his character and we understand or we get to see who he is, here's what God is doing. God is giving you and I enough. So that it doesn't destroy us, but boy, it develops us. It helps us. 
his goodness and his grace, but he comes right behind that and he warns us. See, when I'm good and when I'm gracious, you and I have the tendency to think he's also lax. I do. He'll put up with me. And we know because of Christ, we are forgiven. We know that. Because of Christ, we are forgiven. But we think forgiven means I can just live as I want. Because I'm forgiven. I don't really need to focus on the character and the part of God that says wrath is still there. And so he says, I will pass by in the cleft of the rock. Verse 23, then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. And if you go on in the other chapters, Moses' face when he came down was shining so bright that he needed to veil it for the people. And he just saw God's back passing by, hidden in the cleft of the rock. God is awesome. He is a God of goodness in that he reveals himself. And as he reveals himself to us for our benefit, he also realizes our frailty and he sets it up that we get just what we can handle of him so that we can get closer to him and he can give us more of him, meaning to reveal more of himself so that we get closer to him so that and it's that process. Can I ask you, are you growing through the goodness of God for what he has revealed to you about who he is? Or are you taking it for granted? Are you taking advantage of it? What has his goodness demonstrated to you? What has he shown you as an act of his goodness about who he is? Notice I didn't mention what he gave you, his goodness. See, the biggest part of the goodness of God is that he allows us to get to know him and experience him. That's the greatest part of the goodness of God. And I know that if I have the favor of God and if I am in the will of God, whatever I need, not whatever I want, Whatever I need, I will have. Even if I think what I need, he is not giving me. God in the scripture just clearly says, I love you enough to protect and to cover you as I reveal myself to you. I know who you are. I know what you can handle. I know what you cannot handle. I know how to grow you up. And then his grace. I love this. Grace by nature is something that we cannot claim or command. God gives grace. And I love this, on whomever I will give. And now he has chosen to give it through Christ. But it is God says, I will choose who I'm gracious to. And so that answers that question to us. God, why did you do for and not for? Why did you allow them to not experience 
your protection in this way, but this group too. God, I don't understand why you allowed this family to be hurt and obliterated like that, but this family to make it out unscathed. I don't understand it. I do. God says, my choice. I'm the one that's gracious. I will be gracious on whomever I choose. And see, we say, oh, that's not fair. Oh, that's not right. No, actually it is. When it's your choice and you dispense out of, remember, last week, perfect purity, perfect holiness. In Bible study, we talked about that he's not manipulative, he's not fickle, he's not sometimey, that he does everything right from, a, from, from perfect purity all the time. So when he chooses to dispense grace, it's perfect. And we say, no, you should have dispensed it here as well. So when he allows something that we see as bad to happen, understand God chooses how to dispense grace. Remember in the story of Joseph, it's all grace. Remember that? When he gave Benjamin, he heaped all this on him, and he was trying to see if his brothers had learned the lesson about some get more than others, some get way more than others, and it's okay. God is reminding us here that goodness and that grace. But then he also tells Moses and to warn them in chapter 34, He told him to make new tablets. Moses did what he told him to do. Verse 4, so Moses cut two tablets out of stone like the first. And he rose early in the morning and went up on, the Mount, I mean, on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. He was only doing what the Lord told him and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended, as we read earlier, in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. God proclaimed himself there. The Lord passed before him again and, and says, the Lord, the Lord, and God's proclaiming, a God merciful and gracious. Now, he's repeating himself, which means emphasis is to be understood. God, when he deals with us, uh, has to be, he realizes that he chose it, has to be both gracious and merciful because of who we are. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I have to stop there. Why does he need to say that? Because Moses is just about to go down to a people who have been rebellious. And this is not a reminder for us about other people. This is a reminder for us about us. See, we easily can focus on someone else's sin and say, listen, God's talking to you. We can easily focus on someone's waywardness or we like to categorize levels of waywardness. Well, I'm not like that. I might be off base a little. We like to categorize it, but he says here to him, The Lord, and he said, verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, 
keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. He could have stopped there because he was getting ready to deal with a people who had sinned greatly. God is saying, in essence, look, I am in this for the long haul with these people, but I need to make some clarifications with that. And so I am a God of goodness, and I am a God of grace, and you will experience that from me. Saints of God, we will experience that goodness and that grace, he says, but who will by no means clear the guilty? God says, and he answers all those people, God lets people get away with all kind of sin. He's just not doing anything. The Lord is not, he's, where's God in all of this? He was a whole nation that was disobedient to the Lord, up to his leaders, Aaron was in on it. And God says, will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And some of you are going, wait, so God's going to hold against those people what these people did? Understand what he's saying. One of the beliefs here is that God, part of his wrath, is actually what is called passive. In other words, he will let you have the consequences of your sin. All of us in some way or another have experienced that part of the wrath of God. God goes, oh, I'm going to let you have that. You made that choice. And many of us are living with those consequences still today. We are living with what came about as a result of our sin. But for some of us, our sin has effects into the next generation and the next and the next. And sometimes God doesn't stay those consequences. Backs up and say, I'm going to let y'all have it. And you start seeing the seeds of sin grow. We see it in this country. I can get smaller. We see it in our city. Can I get smaller? You see it in your family. No, I'm not talking about generational curses. We're not talking about that. It's a supported. We're talking about effects of sin. It's not a curse. It's effects consequences. Okay, let me bring it home. You don't study for a test repeatedly, and you walk in thinking you can ace it, and you get a big fat zero, and you go, what happened? Consequence. Late all the time for work, everybody looking for you, trying to find where you are, can't be dependable, can't. and one day they go, man, you know what? We need to part ways. Wait, hold on. The devil is against me. No, he's not against you, bro. <laughs> Consequences of your sin. You play around. 
You're doing some things in secret. No one knows. You think you're getting away. You keep, you keep, boom. One day, God pulls all the covers off like my mother and father used to do when they would tell us to get up. And about the second or third time when I'm still in bed, my father especially would come in and take from top to bottom and pull the cover off, or he would do worse. He would pull it up, and he would hit us on our feet. That was annoying. But I dare not go, what you doing? See, the deal is when it's come and just snatch the covers off. And for some of us, we had to be exposed. But I read a line that I have to read this week in my reading. Because sometimes we think God's wrath is God is paying us back. For the believer, it's not God paying you back. It's God bringing you back. See, he is working to expose you and I because he, he is dealing with sin so he can root it out of our lives. But he is working so that we hate it, that we have a distaste for it. You know, that is part of the goodness of God. If God did not dispense wrath, how could I call him really good? Because he lets evil languish. See, God says, by no means. Will the guilty be cleared? No means. And see, and that tells you and I today, when we see injustice in the world, yes, I want something to be done now. I'm not saying that we dismiss it. I would love for something to be done now. But you have to know, God in his complete sovereignty, in being almighty and all-powerful, he says the guilty are by no means cleared. He will deal with it even if the guilty is you. God says, know that. Don't lose heart because of injustice. Don't lose heart over sin. Don't lose heart over someone doing to you what should have never been done. God says, I saw it from the beginning. Remember who he's talking to here, a man who was getting ready to go down and deal with the sin of a people. And he says, I forgive my steadfast love or my love that walks is is is." It's long-lasting. I love it. He says that it goes on. He didn't say eternal, so please understand that. He didn't say that his mercy is, 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 is just, un you will always just have it to where, oh, come back, it's okay. No. There will be some days where God will have to give you a royal spanking. And you'll feel it. And maybe sometimes, if the spanking, if, if he chooses, it'll be embarrassing. See, I remember times I got spanking from my parents, and it was just my family, or no one really knew, and, and they were kind of, but there were times in public. And everyone knew, dude, man, I saw when your mom got you like that, yo. I can't believe that. I know, right? And everybody's talking about it. But you know what? It is never, it is never out of anything evil. What did he just say earlier? He told him 
about his steadfast love, about journeying with him, about loving them, about caring for them. But he said, but understand, sometimes the consequences of sin are long-lasting. And that's a warning for us all. Nothing gets by the eyes of God, even when you are forgiven. Sometimes forgiven, and there may be very little, but sometimes forgiven, and there may be a lot. I think I shared this years ago. I'm reminded of a, of a brother I met years ago. I was on Stafford Crew inner city in New York. It was a brother who worked with the Bari Mission down there. Shelter for the Homeless, Christian ministry there. And Vinny just, I mean, just this dude was just a bright light. I mean, he was, he was stereotypical New York Italian. Hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? I mean, I just loved talking to Vinny. We met him as we brought some people down to see the mission, to see the ministry. And he would always love talking to the students. He talks about his life. And then he talks about how he, he came off the street. He was a drug abuser. He used needles and heroin and how the Lord miraculously saved him. He did, gloriously. And that he would lead many people. He led the missions program for men, the discipleship program, that when they came off the street, he would be there and he would lead these brothers. And I mean, and that dude had tough love and, and he would walk with them and some would go back out and he'd be like, okay, you know, hey, look, look. I know where you're going back to. When you come back, if you come back, the Lord's going to be right here. And so he would walk with many people. And one day I heard that Vinny was extremely ill. And from his needle use, he had contracted AIDS. Didn't that? Years later, Vinny had gotten married, beautiful, saved wife. They were working together in ministry, and Vinny was dying. Um, and I remember the last group of students, he asked the Lord, because he said to them, Lord, can I just speak to one more group of students? And he shared. And what he shared, too, was the goodness of God, but he also shared sin as consequences. This is something God did not stay. God gloriously saved him, miraculously. God allowed him to minister to hundreds and lead many men off the street to Christ and into growing and had a great impact in New York City, in Manhattan, in the Bari, around those people. And yet, God chose. Vinny didn't make it to a ripe old age. He didn't. Vinny died of the complications of AIDS from a sin before he even came to the Lord. But the Lord didn't stay it, but he used it. Because you saw this brother strong in the Lord, but can I help us understand that the same God that is good and gracious by no means clear. He forgives. Now, I love that because when he says he doesn't clear the guilty, guess who had to clear that guiltiness for you and I? Christ did. And so that relationship with him is even now more critical because he shouldered the guilt. But understand, just because Christ forgave 
doesn't mean I don't have consequences. And so that sin that you and I are comfortable with, you don't know which ones God is going to say, I'll cover. No, I'll stay. And you get in this one. And so for us, it's sobering. But it's the same good God. God is really helping me more and more that when I see things that don't make sense, you get upset and God don't understand and why you are. Because the more I see the character of God, the more I go, okay, God, this hurts, but you got this. Wow, I don't get it, but I know you do. Oh, God, if I were God, I wouldn't have done it that way, but we wouldn't have had a world that looked like this if I were God because no one would be here because I'd be mad at everyone. I was just thinking I would be as crazy and mean as the movie with, what's the comedian's name, when he had power like God. Right, yeah, what was it? Bruce Almighty, right, which doesn't make sense, right? But that the pettiness and the vengefulness, that's us with God-like powers. But the God of the Scripture, can I read it again as we end? Man, I love this. Verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Boy, that speaks a lot to those of us who are quick to get angry. And abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. See, along with a good and a gracious God comes a God of wrath that keeps justice where it needs to be, but his love overcame that wrath because his wrath was satisfied. And I know in our day and age, people hate that word, and they hate God for that word. How dare God be filled with wrath? Because what they're thinking is Bruce Almighty, petty. God is like that. No, he's not. It is born out of his holiness, out of his goodness, out of his faithfulness. He must deal with unrighteousness. And he dealt with it clearly and decisively in Christ. But he never turns and overlooks it. So give that to Christ today. Believer, give that sin to Christ. Bring it. Let it be forgiven. Let the graciousness and the goodness of God keep drawing you close so that you keep getting to know him more and more, knowing that God has to deal with sin, but he deals with it out of goodness.